Good morning or good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into Herf's Huddle, the Chicago Bears podcast presented by Joseph Herf. For those of you who do not know me or my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL for all tweets, articles, and reactions surrounding the Bears. Today, we're going to be going over the Bears' move on the moves on the trade deadline, their keys to victory against the 5-3 Miami Dolphins, and we will be answering some questions from the mailbag. To kick this thing off, let's go over the Chicago Bears moves over the trade deadline. So Ryan Poles is a busy man on Tuesday, and the trade deadline was ending at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So he wasn't waiting. He made some moves to uh, what he thought would help the Bears long term. Maybe it wouldn't help them this year, but it would help either one side of the ball or not. So to start, the first move he made which shocked a ton of people, was he traded away uh, second-team All-Pro inside linebacker Roquan Smith for a 2023 second, a 2023 fifth, and veteran journeyman inside linebacker A.J. Klein. Three things I want to cover here regarding that. So, for one, Roquan did not want to be here. He was vocal about it. He sat out of essentially all of training camp, and he said he did not want to be here. He said he wanted to that would appreciate him. He requested a trade. He went to Ian Rapport to do that. Again, a lot of people use this as a negotiation tactic, but the way he went about it was clear that he did not have an agent, which is, I guess, part of the first thing. He did not have an agent to help him go about this and to negotiate to be here. Number two, Roquan did not deserve to be the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. Now, from a number standpoint, he was up there as the top three guy. Now, he racks up a ton of tackles. He was a monster, absolute freak in the 3-4 scheme that we were originally running under Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano. Roquan was not a freak in this new scheme, and he was a very good linebacker still. I would still say he is a top seven inside linebacker in the NFL, but... He did not deserve to be the highest paid inside linebacker, and the Bears weren't willing to give him that money. And maybe an agent could help with that, with him realizing that, with specific negotiation tactics. But it seemed like both sides of Roquan Smith representing himself and the Bears representing themselves were on complete different pages, and they stopped negotiating, according to polls, before the season even started. And it seemed like the relationship was broken. And the last point, Roquan wasn't performing at a high level consistently enough. We talk about monster games he had this year. The Houston Texans game, he essentially helped win that game. The Bears had no offense. He was a monster. He made a ton of tackles. He had that interception. He carried that team. And then the, not the Dallas Cowboys game, the New England Patriots game. He was flying. It was the glimpses of what we saw when he was a second-team All-Pro, when he deserved to be a first-team All-Pro. But he couldn't back those games up. He followed that Patriots game up with the worst game, arguably, of his career, in which he had five tackles against a Dallas Cowboys team that ran over us. And a lot of those runs were because when Roquan Smith would go try and plug up his gap, he tries to go around blockers, which in turn absolutely gashes up a hole. Now, normally, Roquan is used to playing around Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Mario Edwards Jr., all these absolute monsters, Bilal Nichols, all these absolute monsters along the D-line, Roy Robertson Harris when he was here, that he was able to run free, sideline to sideline, in between offensive linemen, where, like, Akeem Hicks would take up two linemen by himself alone. 
Eddie Goldman with his massive size would take up two offensive linemen on his own. Orcon Smith ran free. That's how he had so many tackles for a loss. It was one because of his high speed ability and high motor and the defensive line. This year, finally, Rourke Smith does not have that elite defensive line. Justin Jones is a good defensive lineman. After that, we have a bunch of meh guys that are good backups. And Roquan couldn't perform. Now, a guy like that does not deserve to be the top paid inside linebacker in football. And I will stand by that. Darius Leonard was a monster in terms of the number of tackles he had. And for the Colts, when he did not have an elite defensive line, he had guys like Al-Qadim Muhammad starting on his defensive line like the Bears do now. And he had other defensive linemen before they traded for, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, the 49ers defensive lineman. He did not deserve it. Again, I was not the biggest fan of Roquan. I still, at least this year, I was before then. His antics this offseason ruined it for me. So I like this value. I personally do not find value in an off-the-ball linebacker. I don't think it's a premium position. If you look at the top teams in the NFL right now, they're off-the-ball linebacker slash leader in tackles. You see the Eagles. They have an undrafted free agent. TJ Edwards out of Wisconsin. He is their basically their best tackler. He had 15 tackles in their last game. He's a, well, he's playing right now as I'm recording this podcast, so I don't know how he's doing right now specifically. The Chiefs have Nick Bolton. He's on a rookie contract. They drafted somebody this year, too, in the third round. The Bills, they have Tremaine Edmonds. He's on a rookie contract. He's their leading tackler. And they have Matt Milano, who, yes, he is one of the highest paid inside linebackers in football at half the price of what Roquan Smith wanted. He is at $10 million a year. Again, there's not a ton of value in the off-ball linebacker. And lastly, I will mention, AJ Klein does bring a nice veteran presence to this young, inexperienced linebacker room. I think our most experienced inside linebacker in terms of playing time is Nick Morrow. Matt Adams is banged up, so I don't count him. But Nicholas Morrow, who, again, is not amazing. So Klein at least brings that. Uh, and we get to see Jack Sanborn play. So overall, I like this trade a lot. It showed that Ryan Poles was not afraid to to prioritize getting picks over the defense, which I appreciate. The second trade we made shortly after showed that Poles really does invest in Justin Fields and cares. He traded away, which people thought this was way too rich, our 2023 second round pick to get Chase Claypool. A lot of people freaked out about this and thought it was too rich, like I said. They did not like it. Let's cover the good first. So the good, this helps Justin Fields. He has been throwing to Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, and as of recently, Nikhil Harry, who I do like. He now has a guy who's a proven wide receiver. That's what he has. He is perfect for our offense. He's a big-bodied deep threat with 4-4 speed and incredible jump ball ability. He can get up. His testing numbers were on par with Calvin Johnson, and they are the only two to even be close to each other in terms of overall size, speed, explosion, everything. He's a freak. We are essentially getting the floor of a mid-wide receiver two with a ceiling of a high-end wide receiver one. Now, when I say that, when you look at a wide receiver two, some people look way too highly and they say, oh, yeah, like Jalen Waddle, he's a wide receiver two. No, a normal wide receiver two is a guy who gets 800 to 1,000 yards of receiving in a season. He has had over 800 yards in his first two seasons in the NFL. Last year he had it, and he didn't even play the full season because he got banged up. 
is the ceiling of a wide receiver one based on his physical attributes and his potential in the offense in terms of a deep threat with an actual deep ball quarterback. Because he, last year and the year before, he had Ben Roethlisberger. This year, he had Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. He now has a guy who actually wants to sling it deep. And lastly, he's locked up for 2023. We get to a full evaluation of him. We're not renting him basically for nine games like the Ravens are doing with Roquan Smith. We get him for this year and next year. That's the good. The bad, again, rich value. We paid a lot for him. But the good part of that is we had to pay that rich value to be off the Packers. So that kind of turns into a good. The other bad, his route tree isn't completely reformed yet. He can run some routes well. And he uses his size to win routes, which I love. He's not an elite separator because of this. And again, you don't need to be an elite separator to be a great wide receiver. See Mike Williams, see Julio Jones. And he's having a down year. Could this be? This could be multiple reasons. First of all, he's playing the slot, which is moronic. I get that you should have him sometimes playing the slot, but he has the third most slot rates in the slot snap rates, snaps, slot snaps, something like that in the NFL. Matt Canada is his offensive coordinator, who is absolutely horrendous. Don't even get me started. And their QB room, they've already made a quarterback change. So that's all leading to his down year. I, I think the play in the slot's the big one. He is definitely destined to be an outside X wide receiver who goes into the slot for some mismatches overall, but he should be all the time basically outside winning one-on-one coverage against a 5'11 corner where he's got five inches on him and a vertical on him. So overall, again, I love the trade. I already bought his... I buy knockoff jerseys. I don't buy real ones. I already bought his knockoff jersey. It's already on its way. I, I'm a huge fan of it. Also, the fact he's number 10, I was number 10 in soccer. So I like this overall trade for the Bears. It establishes, again, that they care about fields and they want to invest in fields. And the other people, the other thing people aren't talking about is he is going to open up Darnell Mooney a ton in this offense. Mooney is going to be flying now because there's not going to be somebody over the top because you need somebody over the top on Claypool. You need to double double cover Claypool because when he gets one-on-one with a corner, he is winning that every single time. He did it against us when he played against us last year. He is a monster in one-on-one. So that's an open up Mooney. And then when we get a third wide receiver next year who's a real wide receiver or Byron Pringle steps up, our offense will be flying. And it already is. Imagine it now. It's just a great move to invest in our quarterback, and I absolutely love that Ryan Poles did it. A third would have been perfect. I'm totally okay giving up a second given the current free agent class and the current NFL draft class. The next thing we'll talk about is the three keys to victories for the Bears versus the Miami Dolphins. Um, to start, this is a very good Dolphins team. I, I'm a big fan of how they structured things. Uh, there's a few things obviously I disagree with, but my, I think Mike McDaniel's a great head coach slash offensive coach. I'm a big fan of Tua. Uh, I like the weapons. I like the investment they made into Tua by getting him basically everything to succeed. Uh, and speaking of that, I guess we'll start off with the first key. Uh, the first one is limiting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So as insane as this sounds, because this is true, Tyreek Hill is on pace for over 2,000 receiving yards. That in itself is insane. But the second part, that Jalen Waddle is also on pace for over 1,500 yards himself, mind-boggling. Two wide receivers combining for that many yards just should be unheard of. But Tua is operating at such an insane rhythm, and he's so hot right now. We need to limit both. I know Jalen Johnson said in his uh, interview, I think it was either today or yesterday, that he wants to follow Tyreek Hill. Love that. But then what do you do about Jalen Waddle? Because I'm not comfortable letting Kendall Vildor or 
Kyler Gordon as much as I love Kyler Gordon, follow Jalen Waddle. Regardless, they need to limit him. They need to figure out a way to scheme them to be covered at all times. I'm fine with leaving Mike Kosicki one-on-one in coverage. You can put somebody on him who's fine. Mike Kosicki isn't a world beater. Also fine with letting Trent – or not Trent Sherfield, sorry. Um, Cedric Wilson be single covered. Outside of those two weapons, they really aren't scary in terms of their overall weapons. It's really the only two they have. So the run game isn't great either. They got a bunch of – they basically just rebuilt the 49ers running back room at this point now and then added Sony Michelle to that room. It's just basically um, Raheem Mostert starting, which, again, he can be explosive but will always get hurt. And then Jeff Olsen, same thing, can be explosive, always gets hurt. So we got to limit their uh, wide receivers into a – Number two, we got to take advantage of their poor pass defense while still establishing their run well. So most of the time for our games, we've been dominating teams on the ground. This game might need to be a little different. So the Dolphins themselves have allowed the seventh most passing yards per game at 262 yards. Need to take advantage of that. This is our chance with Claypool and Mooney to bond with Fields and together for themselves to be able to kind of keep their offense in the game. Their rush defense is much better. They've allowed the sixth least amount of rushing yards of any team in football, but we still need to run the ball. We still need to keep Fields running. It is keeping him comfortable. We need to run the Bears-Ravens offense we have been running with a lot of like read options, quarterback-designed runs. We need to keep that going. It's uh, It's been working, but we still need to throw the ball a little more this game, unfortunately. But I guess a little bit unfortunately, too, because who doesn't love watching Justin Fields throw the ball? And the last point is we need to get to Tua. Um, he is currently 23rd in the NFL in pressured catchable pass rates. So that basically means when he gets pressured, he is 23rd of all qualifying quarterbacks of throwing a catchable pass. That's not good. So we need to get to him. We need to make him uncomfortable and make him throw off target. And that's going to be quite literally impossible now that we don't have Robert Quinn. And our the rest of our pass rush is, I mean, Trevor Gibson, hopefully he steps up. Dominic Robinson, hope he can step up too. But <laughs> that's a tough task. They have the sixth sixth best protection rate in football currently right now. So asking our young outside linebackers to step up is uh, going to be tough. And Tua has one of the least amount of pressure throws in the NFL. He's currently 28th. So we need to get to him. And obviously when you do get to him, it looks like it flusters them. So definitely need to do that. Um, I, really don't see a way that we win this game where we don't shut down two in this receiving core or at least limit them again you expect Tyreek Hill to go crazy you expect him to break off a crazy catch and run because he's Tyreek Hill you expect Tua to make a crazy throw because he's Tua again he's not really loved but he's a very 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 accurate quarterback they need to throw him off guard and they need to throw their receiving core off guard if they want a chance of winning this game Lastly, we'll dive into the mailbag. Um, this is the first time I will be doing this, and I'm going to try and do this weekly. I, I'm basically going to put on the Twitter and text a few of my friends who uh, who want to interact and get their names you know, on the podcast. Um, some questions they would like answered this week or overall. So uh, to start, I kind of had a two-for-one question. I know uh, my brother, John Herf, he has his own Twitter account. You can follow him at John Herf NFL. He, uh, he put that. He wanted to know what we were doing this offseason, basically. And then my buddy Fred had texted me saying, what do we want, where do we want to see our money spent this offseason? I like that one a little better, so I'll use that. Um, to start, offensive line, invest in it. This offensive line, offensive tackle class specifically, is incredibly loaded. You can get a guy like Orlando Brown Jr., Elton Jenkins, Jack Conklin, Isaiah Wynn, 
And that's just the tackles to start. That's just the high-end guys. There's a bunch of guys who are having down years that you could get cheap that could fit the scheme. Wes Schweitzer is a very good one that I think of when I say that. I would love for an investment at an elite left tackle slash right tackle. If you get a left tackle, you move Braxton to right. If you get a right, you keep Braxton at left. I'd like to see Cody White here stay here at left guard. The center class is not spectacular, so I don't see us investing in one here, at least in free agency, unless we want to get at least a guy who has NFL experience and is better than Sam Mustafer, which is not hard to find. Right card, Tevin Jenkins locked up. So we basically just need an elite left tackle. I think that'll make this offense go a long way and help the line a lot. Secondly, I want Deron Payne at defensive line. If I had to pick like one player that I think fits what we're looking for right now, it's Payne. Payne and Justin Jones together would be monstrous. They they both I think Deron Payne can be the three technique we need to be our star. And I think Justin Jones will be a good mix with him. Uh, all right, missing a three technique right now that really carries the defense is what's hurting us right now in the run game. And then lastly, linebacker. Um, again, people are going to freak out saying, well, we had Roquan Smith. Well, we would have had to pay Roquan Smith. And these guys that are the free agent class right now, it's loaded with good dudes who aren't going to be overpaid. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Anthony Walker Jr., Zach Cunningham. All these guys are free agents. Tremaine Edmonds is a good one I like a lot. He leads the Bills and tackles. He knows how to win. He's on the Bills. And he's long, he's athletic, he's fast, and he's good in coverage. TJ Edwards could be very cheap as he was an undrafted free agent who currently is a monster for the Eagles. And Anthony Walker Jr. has got familiarity with the scheme. Why not get him? So that was the first question. The next one will be uh, from my buddy uh, at Grant underscore Paulger on Twitter. His question was actually a pretty good one that a lot of people have been asking and a lot of people don't know the true answer to. So the question is, should the Bears move on from David Montgomery? To kind of hit on it, that's a tough ask. David Montgomery is probably the best guy in the Chicago Bears locker room. And you want to keep a guy like that in your locker room. It really all depends on him and what his asking price is. If that, if he wants 10 million a year, I'm sorry, we can't keep you. He's not worth 10 million a year. If he would take eight or less, I'm signing him in a heartbeat. Eight might be an overpay, and some might disagree, but the value he brings in the passing game, even with how good Khalil Herbert is in the running game, he's insane at pass blocking. He's insane at running routes out of the backfield, making people miss. He always fights with the extra yard. You can't – I've never, like – there have been a lot of talented running backs in the NFL. I've never seen a running back as shifty as David Montgomery in the NFL for how not fast he is. It just looks insane because it's not like he's running a 4-2-40 and making people miss. This dude ran like a 4-7, and he makes people miss. He is just hes just an operator. He's a smooth operator, and you want that guy here, and he's a good dude. We saw the segment on Monday Night Football for his friend at Iowa State. You want that guy in your locker room. So I want, I'd say at the right price, we keep him. But if he's asking for too much money and he cares more about, I want to say cares more about himself, he just wants a bag. If he wants a bag, let him go get a bag somewhere. And if he realizes he can't get that bag, bring him back. And I'm cool with that. Grant also asked a second question, though, from his uh, from his other account. And he asked, how do the Bears replace Roquan? This is going to come off as like Roquan is not valuable, but I'm just going to say, how do we replace him? Easily. We replace him with someone who's a better scheme fit. Not someone who will have gaudy stats, but someone who gets the job done correctly and helps the entire defense. Like I said, 
Roquan likes to fly sideline to sideline and make tackles five yards downfield. That does not help. When you have a elite defensive line, sure, that works. When you have just a good defensive line, you need someone who's going to run up and plug the hole and do the dirty work. You want that in your linebacker core, but it can also pass cover. Roquan's not that, and we need someone who can be as our will. So how do you replace him? You replace him at half the price, and you call it a day. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I really don't want to cover that all again, but you can refer, refer back to that for that kind of information. The next question is from uh, my actual my former podcast partner when I first started, uh, Sam Stevenson. He asked my top favorite mock picks for the first round for the Bears. And full transparency, I've not fully gotten into my scouting for the year. So I don't have a full 100% understanding of who I think will be there, who I want completely, who I'm high on. I can tell you right now, I'm not high on Quentin Johnson as high as everybody else's. So full transparency, he's not on this top five list. But the top five are if Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba are one and two. No question. After that, it's murky. It depends if they both get taken. It depends where we're picking, all that stuff. But if Michael Mayer falls into your lap, you got to take him. He, he's going to be a top three tight end in the NFL for the next 15 years. You take a guy like that. Paris Johnson, easy answer. If you don't get your star left tackle, why not get him in the draft? Paris Johnson or Peter Skronsky? There it is right there. You solved your entire office flight issues without even spending a fat paycheck on Orlando Brown Jr., those two guys will both be great tackles for the future. Get one of them and you're set. The next question is actually kind of off topic, but I like it because again, I, I opened the I opened the book to any sort of questions. So my uh my com- my company I write for, Bear Goggles on, they uh, asked, what's better, football or soccer? Now I didn't want to put any pre-notes in this because I wanted to be fully transparent that there is no right answer because the hype around World Cup soccer is the best of any sport. Ever. But I'm right here talking about football, and I, I, I don't know enough about soccer. I think that game is way too advanced for me. I don't know anything about uh, – about, I mean, I know how to play soccer. I know the basics of it. I have no strategic understanding of soccer, and it blows my mind how strategic and analytic it is without being the numbers game. It's just literally knowing the tactics. And it's it blows my mind how cool it is, and how it is just well loved around the world. I my goal is when the World Cup is here in the United States to go to a game. I would if it's like the way I put it right now is if the Bears were in the Super Bowl and the United States were in the World Cup final with a chance to win, which game would I rather go to? I'd rather go to the World Cup final. As crazy as that is, but. I still love football, and I like football season more than I like soccer season. I watch more football games. But once the playoffs come around, it goes soccer. So don't know if that really answers the question, but that's kind of the best way I can answer it. Um, the last question, I like this one a lot too. This wasn't a this isn't a topic that's talked about a lot. And I replied that to the tweet. I said, hey, this is a really good question, and no one's talking about it. What is the best tight end strategy? And at first I thought it's talking fantasy because that's uh, that's the old me. I don't, I don't really talk fantasy much anymore. I'm horrible at it, actually. Um, and then he said, no, for the Bears next year. And that's a very good question because next year, Cole Komet will be entering contract year. So how I think we should approach it is we should obviously sign someone like um, Ryan Griffin, get a guy like him in our uh, in our offense, and a guy who can actually contribute. Ryan Griffin's a little older and slower. Get a guy like him, though, who's younger and can grind, 
Like uh, I haven't really looked at, again, I haven't really looked at the freezing tight end class, but there's a good number of good people out there that we can get. But I think we should also invest a later round pick. Um, I know the name has been floating around in the mid rounds of Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Uh, that's actually where Dallas Goddard's from too. I, I think he'd be a very, very good investment. He's a monster for them. And me being the FCS fan I am, if you didn't know, I would love a guy like him. So I think you need to get a, a newer tight end room. I think Komet ha- should have the chance to prove it that year. But if he's not cutting it to start the year, put the young guy in. Let him start playing. If he's showing himself, if he's showing himself in practice and he's balling, let him play. I love Cole Komet. I think he will turn out fine as at least a tight end too. But he needs to do more. And he did have his first touchdown catch in a long time this past weekend. But we need to see more from him. So that will wrap up the uh, now third episode of Herf's Huddle. So I appreciate you all listening in. I will be releasing another episode on, I believe, Tuesday. I still have to check the schedule due to the Bears game and me coming home. I'll be at Illinois State this weekend watching their uh, their playoff hopes. So I will be figuring that all out this weekend in terms of the next episode release. But um, stay tuned for that in terms of the reactions of the game, all that good stuff. So um, I appreciate you all listening in, and I look forward to you listening to my next podcast.